celebrating the connection with our pets. This is Animal Radio, featuring your dream team, veterinarian Dr. Debbie White and groomer Joey Villani. And here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. In just a couple of seconds, we're going to go to the phones for your calls. The number is toll-free, 1-866-405-8405. Coming up this hour, Glynis McCants. What does she do? She's a numerologist. And what is she going? Why is she on Animal Radio? Why are we having her on Animal Radio, Judy? Because she's going to tell us what we name our pets can influence how they act. Really? Yes. Mm. I'm not quite sure how the numerology I thing fits in there. I don't know, but the name makes a big impact on your pet. And we could be naming our pets by the wrong name. You mean if we give our animals the wrong name, that could screw them up for life? It could. Hey, oh Hal screwed gosh. me up for life. Yeah. <laughs> I can understand. Okay, so... Hal 9000 is what I always think of. That's so much cooler than Hal. Uh, let's see. Uh, what else do we have coming up? Oh, if you have an animal, in particular a cat that pees outside the box or poops outside the box. Dusty Rainbolt will be back with us next hour, and she's going to be talking about the problems that uh, cats have, why they go outside the box, uh, whether it's behavior or whether it's uh, physical, how to curtail the problems, how to really figure out the problems, because it can be a total mystery. And it's not because they're mad at you. Can we just say that? Are you sure? <laughs> there's I'm no positive. Cases? Were they- Being mad is not one of the things. Now, marking their territory or ah. showing ownership over an item is different, but that's not mad. Mad is a human emotion there. Okay. Is that, that's an anthropomorphism, right? Yeah. Yeah. Most cat owners deal with this at one time or the other, and most cat owners, like me, think that they were mad. Yep. At, at me or something. But I uh, went away and my cat, you know. Showing me how he feels me, about going angry. away. But that's not the case. Okay. That's on the way in just a few minutes. Lori Brooks, at the bottom of the hour, you deliver the pet news that we need to hear. The important pet mm-hmm. news. What do you have coming up for this hour? Uh, i got some information or some maybe some help for you if you are dealing with uh, the loss of a pet. Oh, because we okay. know how hard that is. And also, I found this great new product that I think is just going to be the the answer to i don't know for people like me who have difficulty getting a good picture of uh, say a pet like lucy who the moment you whip out the cell phone will look away yawn lick her nose i mean anything to just not get the picture i know well to help you get the picture there's this new product and it's a Kickstarter campaign now, but I will tell you about it, and it just sounds fabulous. That's like Ladybug. She's the cutest little dog. She'll do all the cute things, but as soon as you whip out the camera, <laughs> she, she, she looks at you and then runs away. Mm-hmm. She she stops being cute for some reason. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and cell phones seem shot. to make it worse. <laughs> okay, so you have a solution for that. Coming up at the bottom of the hour, let's go to the phones right now for your calls for Dr. Debbie or for Joey Villani. Toll free at one eight. 664058405 you could also ask your questions from the free animal radio app for iPhone and Android and Blackberry so download that puppy now if you haven't done it and we go to Les calling from North Carolina hi Les how are you okay how are you today doing okay what's you don't sound too happy what's up how can we help you well i got a a, a little child of mine they call him he, he, i've been with him for 12 years now and he's got cataracts, and he can't even see, you know, to put a piece of food, a scrap, in front of him to eat. You just, you have to drop it on the floor, and he has to sniff around for it. And mm-hmm. it, and my concern is, is there any uh, help out there that could 
you know, let this dog see out of one eye at least because it, the expense is it, it's out of reach, you know. And mm-hmm. dog has got a lot of life left to come, and you know, it's it's a sad situation. Yeah, yeah. Is everything else with your dog going okay, or is it is it just the blindness? Well, he's got diabetes. He, he you know, he gets two insulin shots a day, mm-hmm. which he doesn't like too much. But, yeah, uh, yeah. And then he's got arthritis. We give him uh, uh, something for his arthritis. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, uh, other than that, he's he's frisky. He'll run. He's a little tired at times, but. Mm-hmm. But he uh, he wants to stay involved. But he, he's a, he's my baby, and I I just so sad to you know look yeah. at him this way. And it's yeah. you know I've been told by the vets you know it's expensive to it's so expensive to do it. And, uh, yeah, so I, I I call on you for if there's any if there's an alternative out there to get him some kind of surgery, you know. Yeah. And I'd say, you know, when we're talking about cataract surgery for dogs, um, there's always a kind of but. Um, so we, we do need to make sure that pet is in, um, you know, in good health status. Because if we're talking about cataract removal, that does require general anesthesia. So you've mentioned your pet is diabetic. So that is something that, you know, we want to make sure that, you know, we're well-regulated and all other problems that are associated with diabetes are controlled to the best of our ability, things like infections, right. like bladder infections, pancreatitis, things like that. So, um, and what I usually do recommend, um, even if you're not prepared to move forward with a surgery, is to set up a consultation, to start with that with an ophthalmologist, because that's really first and foremost. And I've had a lot of people that think, oh, my dog has cataracts, we need to do surgery, and then they find out he's not even a candidate. So I think that, for me, would be my first advice for you is really invest in a consultation with a veterinary ophthalmologist, have an evaluation, see if surgery is recommended, and then we can get an idea cost-wise. Generally, depending on where you live in the country, you know, you're talking, you know, thousands of dollars for cataract yes. um, removal. It's like $3,000 a And my vet told us, you know. Yeah. So, and that's, you know, in normally with, with dogs, um, you know, we'll, we'll do one eye at a time because we don't want to, you know, disrupt both eyes. Um, right. so that, that's the first thing is I, I would make sure you do set up a, a visit with an ophthalmologist. Now, the next question is how do we pay for something, especially of that magnitude when we're just not able to bite that off? Um, so there are, depending on the region and the country, there are organizations. You do have to do a little bit of hunting, uh, because a lot lot of the financial assistance groups are actually localized. So it may not be something that they service the whole part of the country. Um, and I know I have worked with some different organizations over the year, um, and the folks had to you know, show financial need, and they had to actually fundraise a little bit on their own and show that they were um, you know, motivated, that this was something important to them. And they did have some requirements to that, and that there had to be like a finite bill so that it was something that we knew the beginning and the end of and um, they could arrange the financing along that. So um, I think the organization we worked with was called Red Rover, but I can tell you 
one of the best resources that I use is I usually, um, state by state, it does differ. So I tell folks to go to the Humane Society uh, website, humanesociety.org, and you can look up and you basically look up how to pay for vet care. And they should have a whole state by state um, layout of some of the different organizations within your area. Um, and then from there, then I would contact those and, and really see if, um, you know, they, they can help you out with, with your needs and, and right. pursuing that. Even going to another state, you know, if need be. Sure. Yeah. 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 And, you know, the other thing is, you know, on the other side of the coin, I will tell you, um, some pets with cataracts that are blind can li- live wonderful lives. Um, so they can adapt very well to the lack of vision. And it just means that we have to make some accommodations around the home. Um, so not changing things, sometimes giving them special structure like um, area rugs to kind of help them figure out where they are in areas. Um, you can use different scents to kind of mark areas of the home. So like say, you know, the, the back door, you, you take a little lavender oil and you put it on the, the floor mat um, that's by the back door. And then they come to associate that location with, hey, this is where I go when I want to go outside. Um, and, you know, vice versa. You can do that with other types of scents around the home. Um, so, so, you know, I have a lot of clients with blind pets and they can do just wonderful, um, you know, if we keep things consistent and, and just be patient with them and expect that they're going to have, you know, Certain uh, shortcomings oh, yeah. it, when it, it comes to getting around. Uh, like I leave the we live on uh, like in co- old cornfields, right? All flat land and it's all mm-hmm. grass. And uh, it, it, he, I put the floodlight on so he could find his way back to the uh, stairs at night. You know, it, he just looks around and he walks. You know, mm-hmm. when he, he wants to go outside at night. But, yeah, you know, and then I made stairs for him to get up on the uh, bed to conform with the same looking stairs that come up on the porch, and he wouldn't go up on them except if there was tall sides on them. I put the tall sides on them, and he walks right up on the bed. And, mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. you know, I, you know, I, I accommodate him in any way that I can. You know. Yeah. But, oh. Well, I can tell you're a very caring um, pet parent, and you only want the best for him. So I, I hope yeah. that leads you to some resources. I don't know, Hal, Judy, you guys have had some experience with um, directing people in this way as well, haven't yeah, you? Yeah, we know that Actors and Others for Animals, they have an emergency pet fund uh, for people that are looking for veterinary medical care. And you can head over to their website at Actors and Others for Animals. Act, what is it? Actors and Others for Animals. Act, Actors. Act Actors, A-C-T-O-R-S, Actors and Others for Animals. And they have an application to fill out over there, and they will help certain causes. But like Dr. Debbie said, the the Humane Society of the United States also has resources for that. Both of those, I would check both of those out and uh, see if you can get any help through any of these organizations. Well, uh, thank you uh, to both of you. Been very helpful, and I always listen to your show, and I always enjoy it. We, we get a lot, of, a lot of good ideas, you know. We thank you very much for listening. We appreciate it, and thanks for calling in. We love to hear from our listeners. Toll free at one eight six six four zero five eight four zero five. Less calling in, listening on WFNC in uh, what is that? North uh, Carolina. Where in North Carolina? Oh, Fayetteville, North Carolina. Uh, love that city. Beautiful city to vacation in. 
Well, this Healthy Serving of Animal Radio is brought to you by the grain-free Red Barn Naturals canned food for dogs and cats. Always made in the USA with natural, functional ingredients to support your pet's optimal health. You can learn more over at RedBarnInc.com. Thank you, Red Barn, for underwriting Animal Radio. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. People say less is more. At Red Barn, we think less is better. It's what you won't find that sets our natural premium pet food apart. No byproducts, no corn or soy, no fillers. Just the natural ingredients your pets need to live the healthy life they deserve. Look at the label. We want you to. Red Barn Naturals Pet Food. Simply the best. Find it in your local pet specialty store. Red Barn canned food for cats and dogs is grain and gluten free. You're listening to Animal Radio. Find us at AnimalRadio.com. Log on, learn more. It's Animal Radio. This is where we celebrate the connection with our pets and the toll-free number for you to check in or ask your questions for Dr. Debbie or Joey Villani. Toll-free, 1-866-405-8405. And don't forget, you can also ask your questions from the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. And in just a few minutes, we're going to talk to Glynis McCants. What is her specialty? She's a numerologist. Why is that important for the animals? (laughs) She says that the numbers can help you pick a name for your pet. And why is that so important? She says the name that you pick for your pet can influence the rest of their life. How they're trained. Really? Yes. So uh, we're going to talk to her in just a couple of minutes. Also, if you're one of those people that have so much trouble with your cat peeing outside the litter box or pooping outside the litter box, a very common problem, we have Dusty Rainbow coming on next hour, and she is a cat uh, cat expert, pretty much. She knows everything cat, and she's written a brand new book called Cat Scene Investigator, How to Solve Your Cat's Litter Box Mystery. So you want to be Boy. sticking around for mm-hmm. that. Yeah, I need to talk to her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you do. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, let's see. Lori, what are you working on for this hour? Well, I, I've come across some dogs that are sniffing frozen human urine. <laughs> and uh, I will tell you why and what they're looking for. one 405 8405 This portion of Animal Radio is underwritten by Vetra Science. The summer is here. You're probably pretty excited, but is your pet, you know, it means thunderstorms, lightning, fireworks. Talk about anxiety. No one likes to see their furry best friend trembling in the corner. And that's exactly where Composure Supplement Chews from Vetra Science comes in. And this is where you come in. And I do believe we're going to go ahead and pick up Bill on the line. Hello, Dr. Debbie. How are you doing today? Hi, I'm doing super. What can I do for you today? Well, I was just wondering... um, what? How about humans taking uh, medicine or uh, supplements that are designed for animals? How about it? Well, I mean, can would it, would it be? What's your ideas on it? I guess that's what I want to know. Okay, all right. I'm going to tell you. I'm going to speak to you very plainly here, Bill, because you sound like a nice guy. I think it's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> are you taking your pet's medicines? Well, or Probably is, but um, have you ever heard of Diamond Z? That's a horse supplement or uh, cattle I... or a animal supplement for, for yeah, uh, and... farm animals. 
In the large animal avenue, yeah. So I know they use it for feed efficiency, milk production, all that kind of stuff. So um, it, you're taking that? Um, uh, for about two years now. Oh, my gosh. Uh, well, I can't advocate that. I order a teaspoon a day, and then uh-huh. not every day. I skip the weekends usually. Okay. But I haven't been sick in two years. Uh, wow. I guess this is a first for me. I'm almost speechless here, Bill. <laughs> um, 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 my, my former wife works at a vet in, in Florida, and he's the one that told her about it, and he's got everybody in his veterinary practice on it. And what, What's it supposed to do for horses, doctor? Well, for I, I know at least the the cow formulas they use to improve the feed efficiency um, so that when they're creating, um, you know, Animals to go to market, they have better uh, muscle production. Um, cows that are producing milk, so that they become better milk producers. So um, you're not noticing you know, I, anything like that, Bill, are you? <laughs> oh, I haven't produced any milk yet. The the company or the factory where they manufacture this stuff, I've seen reports where these people that work in this factory and they just inhale this stuff. They haven't been sick in 25 years. Holy and cow. the people that, that work in the office, they get sick regularly like anybody else. Um, one of these huh. guys who works there, um, his wife works in a hospital, and his kid was uh, in elementary school. They bring home all kinds of stuff from school and from the hospital. They would be sick. He never got sick. Interesting. Well, i got to say, I, I'm a little perplexed on how this started happening because – you know, generally, uh, we there's species lines when it comes to nutritional recommendations and even supplements. So, I, I have to caution you on that. But I, you know, I guess I can't sneeze at uh, anecdotal information of uh, you know people who have increased immune powers. But gosh, and I'm not a fan of inhaling supplements because things don't aren't always meant to go down in the lungs that you're meant to ingest. Um, you know, you could definitely have some problems there with different components getting down in the lungs. Um, there's even a condition, silicosis, you know, that some people get silica um, down in their lungs from inhaling it. So, And that's not a good thing. It can cause some long-term side effects. You know, I, I, I don't know what to tell you. I'd say I, I don't recommend it, and I typically don't recommend any of my animal supplements for my um human counterparts that bring their pet patients to me. Um, but gosh, that's, that's very interesting, Bill. And, uh, you know, maybe those people that are making this, uh, this supplement need to uh, research and, and put uh, some mustard to the test there to see if it is appropriate for people. Because, you know, if that's the case, then they might be onto something. Yeah. one 405 8405 This portion of Animal Radio underwritten by Vetra Science. Let this summer be stress-free for your pets with the help of composure from Vetra Science. From Glycoflex to multivitamins, your pets will thank you for VetraScience supplements. Thanks, VetraScience, for underwriting Animal Radio. Alan Cable, welcome to another mess. Let's start it off right with your beer news watch. Beer for dogs? We plan on getting a Rottweiler. Well, any vet will tell you, dogs should never be given beer. Their livers don't metabolize alcohol the same way we do. And things like hops can hurt many dogs. It's sad that dogs up until this point couldn't enjoy beer, but a company called Wolf and Brew released a beer specifically for dogs. Are you ready to enjoy one with your dog? I'm just in my boxers right now. <laughs> this stuff has no alcohol or hops or carbonation. It's easy and safe for dogs to digest. So now you can share a beer with your best buddy. This is Animal Radio, baby. 
Those big, scary storms can be terrifying for your pet, and we know that when they're stressed, so are you. Take good care of your buddy with VetraScience Composure. VetraScience Composure helps ease anxiety for pets caused by storms, travel, and owner separation. It won't sedate them, and your pets will love the taste. Also, try our Glycoflex for hip and joint health, as well as multivitamins and probiotics. Find VetraScience supplements at your local pet store, Petco, or your vet. Learn more at VetraScience.com. This is an Animal Radio News Update brought to you by Fear Free. Fear Free takes the pet out of petrified and puts the treat into treatment. To learn more and find a certified Fear Free veterinary professional near you, visit FearFreePets.com. I'm Lori Brooks. There's a town in Japan where the residents have this incredibly high rate of stomach cancer. So they have turned to sniffer dogs for help. Kaneyama is a town in northeastern Japan with only 6,000 residents. Still, it has Japan's highest fatality rates for stomach cancer. So the town is now taking part in a special research program in which residents' frozen urine samples are sent to a medical school near Tokyo. And it's there that these dogs are actually trained to sniff out signs of the disease. And it's really amazing. Dogs, of course, have some 300 million smelling sensors in their nose compared to 5 million in a human. So, uh, and dogs, by the way, also have a second smelling helper in the very back of their noses. And it turns out it's the combination of both that allows dogs to detect these cancerous tumors because the tumors actually have a really specific odor that these dogs can detect with nearly 100% accuracy. So right now, there are only five dogs trained to work as cancer detection dogs in all of Japan. And part of the reason for that is that it costs about $45,000 to train each medically trained sniffer dog. But in the UK, they did a major trial there last year where dogs were taught to sniff out prostate cancer from urine samples. And those dogs had a 93% success rate. Seems like that's a whole lot cheaper than going the x-ray MRI doctor route, you know? <laughs> yep. Uh, God, don't we all know the death or loss of a pet can be so traumatic and the grief way beyond what we may have ever expected. But consider this as maybe some of the reasons why. There is a, a huge lack of formal societal or even religious processes for grieving and mourning the loss of a pet. For example, if the pet is cremated, the ashes are usually collected, you know, picked up at the vet's office or, or even, you know, sent through the mail. And family and friends usually sometimes don't acknowledge the depth of your grief brought on by the loss of your pet. So if you are grieving a pet, there are some strategies that can help. Experts say it is important to recognize the depth of your feelings of loss as your, your pet may have been with you through many of the ups and downs in your life and may have even helped you cope with previous losses of other pets. So give yourself the necessary time and space to grieve. Individual group and family psychotherapy, they say, may be helpful as well to you in the process of loss. Identify triggers also for your grieving and ways that you can cope. Think about this. Triggers can include many things. 
they can be, say, you're shopping for groceries and you happen to pass by the pet food aisle where you picked up his food every week. You know, you could start crying right there. It's things like that. Or even driving by a special dog park that you used to share times. So know your triggers. Try to find ways to, to meaningfully grieve. And, and that can include something, you know, like creating a memory book of your pet, um, building a memorial to your pet, or, or donating time or money to a pet welfare group in your pet's honor. And, of course, always explore self-help groups at local animal shelters or the ASPCA. Uh, did you know almost all schools of veterinary medicine have telephone support hotlines? And there are also many online community forums and pet loss support groups, too. Now, much lighter subject here, and very cool. Capturing that perfect pet portrait. I mean, you see them all the time. You flash, you know, see them out of the corner of your eye. Oh, my God, i got to get a picture of this, right? You run over, they get up and walk away. They turn and won't look at you. So whether they're looking away, simply refuse to sit still, Pets can still be very impatient models, as I think most of us know, unless food and fun are involved. And that is why Paw Champs has created FlexiPaw. It's something I think is a very clever accessory. It attaches treats and toys to your cell phone to capture your pet's attention and keep it focused on the camera. Uh, a FlexiPaw snaps onto the top of your phone or even a tablet and allows you to dangle some animal attention, attention getting goody, uh, say, you know, like a, a smelly treat or a little toy, anything up to a half inch thick. It will dangle right above the ca- camera lens. So when your pet focuses on the treat or the toy he wants, that's dangling off your phone or tablet, the pet is almost always going to strike a pose resulting in a picture-perfect snap. Hmm. I've got to try this. But right now, FlexiPaw is only available through its Kickstarter campaign for a $16 pledge, but hopefully, they say, it will be on store shelves by the end of the year. I'm Lori Brooks. Get more breaking animal news anytime at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update brought to you by Fear Free. The veterinarian isn't typically thought of as your pet's favorite place to go. With Fear Free, that all changes. To learn more and find a certified Fear Free veterinary professional near you, visit FearFreePets.com. Hi friends, this is Dr. Marty Becker, America's Veterinarian. After a traumatic experience at the veterinary office, have you ever thought to yourself, there has to be a better way? When your veterinarian is fear-free certified, you'll find your pet's vet visit is safer, more comfortable, and actually enjoyable. Your dog will go from shaking in the lobby to pulling you into the exam room with a wagon tail, and your cat will be purring inside the carrier. To find a certified fear-free veterinary near you, go to fearfreepets.com. Radio, celebrating the connection with our pets. Our furry little friends, toll free at 1-866-405-8405. That number to talk to Dr. Debbie or to Joey Volani, the dog father. And uh, I'm sure you already know this. How important is a name for your pet? Uh, our cat's name is Uh-Oh. We named our cat Uh-Oh. 
just because she's, it fits her. It does. She's always getting it. We're always saying, "Uh oh," and we figured if we got uh, got her a little sister, it would be, "Oh my God," would be the name. <laughs> <laughs> but apparently, the name is very, very important. We welcome to the show the numbers lady, Glynis McCants. Hi, Glynis. How are you doing? Hi, I'm doing great. Now you're a numerologist, right? Mm-hmm. What does that have to do with names? Uh, it has everything to do with names. It, let me say quickly, what is numerology? It's a science of numbers. Pythagoras was the famous mathematician who created this system. And everything has vibration. Names have vibrations, as do your birthday. So there's numerology blueprints. And that's true for your pets as well as human beings. Wow. Okay. okay. Uh, so is a name for uh, for my cat really that important, or my dog really that important? Can I just really just name them anything I want? Uh, absolutely not. You oh. could have a psycho pet on your hands, and I'm sure you know that. Um, <laughs> We've had those. A huge difference. We have a Siberian husky and, and three cats, and they all get along beautifully, and it's because of the numbers. Well, I name them deliberately to make sure they were compatible. Well, before we figure out the right way to name them, what could go sure. wrong if we name them the wrong name? I mean, even uh-oh. Are you saying U-H-O-H? Is that how you spell yes. it? Yes. Yes, ma'am. Well, then you gave that animal, is it a dog, cat? What is it? It's this? a cat. A female okay, cat. You, you made that cat a cat of mystery. You're never going to know what that cat's up to. You made that, <laughs> you made that cat 977. I would ne- that's like 007. It's a secret agent. Okay, so when you say nine nine seven seven, I'm not quite sure how the numbers actually correlate with the letters and, and call, right. Yeah. Each each letter, it's the Pythagorean number system. And by the way, in my book, Glenna says your number. We have naming your pet by the numbers, so I really cover this. But you've got the vowels above, so U is three in numerology, and O is six, so that's the soul number. Three plus six is nine, so. That would be a part of this name. And then below, it's consonants. H is eight. H is eight. When I break that down and add it together, it's a seven. So nine and seven are the two numbers that I'm talking about. And then when you add them together, it's another seven. So uh uh-oh is a mystery animal. (laughs) Like that's not, they're not going to let you know. I mean, you're going to be intrigued and fascinated because the seven energy is always very interesting. But you're not going to know what's going on. Sure. Like, I, I literally, like Coco, we have amazing stories over here. I don't know uh, if the gal who produced or, or sent my stuff to you, but we had the most remarkable thing happen. The name Coco breaks down to the number 9, 369. So it's like a ham bone. Like, this dog is very funny. She is constantly entertaining us. And the six energy is about family. She is obsessed with us. If she's not sleeping, she's got one paw on me or one paw on my husband. And that we knew that by the numbers. And we had done it because Shiloh, which was our Siberian husky before Coco, we that name Shiloh breaks down to three six nine. So we deliberately made sure the energy was the same. So like can familiar. I can I change O's name to, to improve her disposition? Absolutely. That's, I can. that's my point. Absolutely. Okay. And it makes a big difference. That won't confuse her. No, no, because here's how numbers work, too. When you, it's just like a person can have a name and then change their name and become famous, right? So that means the name they went by before was not good for them necessarily for their goal. Same thing with an animal. If you got a pet that's nuts and hyper, it's a good chance it's like a five, which means freedom, fun, adventure, don't control me. If you change the name, you can calm down the pet.
We're with Glynis McCants, and she says what you name your pet is so very important. We're going to find out how you should name your pet coming up next. Stick around. Hi, this is Ed Begley Jr. on Animal Radio. Live simply so that others may simply live. All dogs should eat a pH-balanced alkaline diet. An alkaline diet reduces health risks and can also reduce scratching, shedding, and hot spots. So does this mean you need to check your dog's pH balance? No, because canine caviar has created the first and only alkaline dog food that is pH-balanced. It also has the highest metabolized calories. What does this mean? Your dog needs to eat less. Get a healthier dog and save money with Canine Caviar products. Find them at your local pet supply store or online at caninecaviar.com. Hi, Randy Travis here, and you're listening to Animal Radio. We're talking about naming animals here. We are with Glynis McCants. She is a numerologist, and she says what you name your pet really could influence their disposition their whole life, and you better, right. get, you better get it right. That's, that's what she's saying. Are there certain names nobody should use we should just all stay away from? <laughs> no, because remember, some people want, like, let's say you want a pet that's very high energy because you're a runner. You might, you just want to make sure it's compatible to you. And speaking of which, I have the blueprints of you, how Uh-oh. you'd like me to tell you a little bit about yourself. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> all right, so how, and I say this with love, uh. it's hard for you to shut up. And I did say that with love. Uh, and what I mean is you have so many threes. If you can't speak your mind, you'd burst out. Uh. You would be so miserable. If someone tried to control you, it's like, back up. Uh. And you, you, here's the thing. You have a great sense of humor. You are very playful. You're like a little kid for the rest of your life. You'll never really grow up. You're very uh. in tune. Um, when you're happy, you're a human Christmas tree. Big smile, bright eyes, just so, you know, happy about what's happening. But... With your eight attitudes, you can also be very direct. And sometimes you'll say something that people are like, wow, I can't believe you just said that. Well, you know, speaking of which, Glynis, is that really your name? Well, yes, you bet it is. I'm from a family of 11. I'm Glynis McCant, named after my fa- My father named me from Glynis Johns, the actress. Oh, okay, so there was another Glynis before you, because uh, I've never heard... Very famous actress, yeah. And uh, what is that, what does that uh, pan out for you? What does that mean for you? Well, first of all, my name numbers are 911, so my joke is, who do they call for help? Uh, <laughs> how should we think about naming our pets? Without, and I know you have a book to pitch, but uh, without giving away the book, what are some basics that we should know about naming our pet? Well, what you need, if, to keep it simple, you, you need to know each letter. Like, you really do have to break down those numbers. You have to. Otherwise, it doesn't work. What's beautiful about what I do and what I've done for 27 years, it's accurate and it works. So I've had people come to me and say, one of my examples, she was talking about her pet, and, it, and she said to me that the pet was very antisocial, like with the family, except with her. So I helped to change the name where it was more of a social energy, and sure enough, that animal's closer to the daughter and the father, too, her husband. So... It's letters that have numbers. If you want to keep it simple, A through Z. A is 1. B is 2. C is 3. Got it? So you just count through your mm-hmm. alphabet. Okay. And then each letter, when it comes to just a name, if you want, it's called the power of the name, by the way. That's the most important number. You just would break down the name by adding up each one. So, like, give me another name. Ladybug. Nice long one. And who's Ladybug? Uh, Tell me what the animal is. The studio dog. Studio female dog. Oh, it's a studio dog. Okay, hold on. 
Ladybug. So, example, you've got L is 3, A is 1, D is 4, Y is 7, B is 2, U is 3, and bug, G is 7. So, again, this is just breaking it down to one digit. So then when I go across, the soul is the number 2. Let me check here, 279. How long has that dog been around? Nine years. Well, oh, that's interesting. The dog's energy actually adds up to nine, but uh, I would say to you, remember I said energy that doesn't want to be abandoned, energy that needs to be connected to the people who matter to them? Uh That's Ladybug. And gentle spirit because of the seven and the two. So I don't know the whole story with you. You guys know more about this pet, but was this a rescued dog or tell me the story? It was a, well, she was a, I got her from a foster family at eight weeks old. Okay, so she was a baby. Yes. All right, so like I said, the two seven is very chill, but the nine means abandonment issues. So it's about being with you, being connected to family. Huh. Okay. I, that's more like your husband, yeah. I think. Well, well, what I don't understand is you have an animal, and if you name it something, does it become that name? Or is the animal, you look at the animal to see what it is, and you name a name that no. corresponds to it? No, its- no, no. What happens is when you... Just like when you introduce yourself, in numerology, there's a sound to everything. So when I say a name and it resonates, there's energy behind it. So you want that name energy to be compatible. By the way, Ladybug, because it does add up to a nine, is considered compatible to Hal and Judy on paper. See, there are certain numbers that are compatible. Three, six, nine is a pack of numbers. Hal is a three life path. Judy is a nine life path. Ladybug is a nine. So that's a connection to the family. But if that pet's name is not even compatible to you, example, the number eight, the first thing I'll ask someone, does that pet cost you a ton of money? Yes. It won't, it will eat certain food, you know, it wants its comfortable bed or forget about it. It's energy. Okay. If we want to learn more, what's in the book? Well, Glenn has your number. I call it the buffet of numerology because I have simplified it for you. So as quick as you pick it up, you could go to naming your pet by the numbers and be able to do so. And then I define the personality of that energy. And, and what's the name of it? Glynis has your number. Glynis has your number. Yeah, it's G-L-Y-N-I-S. But again, at numberslady.com, it's available up there. And for the people who just heard me do a quick example on you by the numbers, they can look up their, their own information. They can look up their life path number and their attitude number on the website. Okay, and is there a website? Ooh, the attitude. Yeah, the attitude yeah. number. You got to know that. That's that's pretty damn important. What's uh, what's the website, Glennis? It's numberslady.com. Numberslady.com, and of course, links to everything you've heard on today's show over at animalradio.pet. Glennis, thanks so much for hanging with us today. Okay, it was great talking to you. We're going to head back to the phones toll free at one eight six six four zero five eight four zero five next. Astrology. I just light. did boss, and did boss you? came up as the number one, which means they're. They want to be in charge. They're headstrong. <laughs> I was like, wow. I just pulled it up on a website. I was like, oh, my gosh. She said it was, what, an eight that was the expensive dog that cost you a fortune? I'm yeah. thinking all bulldogs must be an eight. <laughs> yeah. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. We can't tell you why canine caviar is the only alkaline-based dog food, but we can tell you alkaline is proven to minimize the risk of renal failure and pancreatitis. 
reduce scratching, cellular degeneration, and disease, keeping your furry friend youthful and healthy longer. And those are the reasons we can fit into this short commercial. But by visiting caninecaviar.com, you'll see exactly what we do to make a better food for your dog. Try the one and only alkaline dog food risk-free. Canine Caviar. Celebrating the connection with our pets, this is Animal Radio, featuring your dream team, veterinarian Dr. Debbie White and groomer Joey Villani. And here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. Hi, Daniela. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. Where are you calling from today? I'm calling from Castake. Where is that? Castake. Cap- um, like Valencia area, you know. Oh, in the Los Angeles area. Yeah. Yeah. So what's going on with your animals? I have the whole team here for you. Well, I was wondering. I have a situation. He's going to be three years old. He's really, really picky to eat. There's two issues with him, but he's really picky to eat. You give him. Do I have the all organic food and the powdered food that you put the hot water in and let it cool down? We make him his own dinners like sweet potato and chicken, you know, you know, that mm-hmm. um, chicken breast and everything for him. And you have to sit down and give him a piece of, little piece of spice with your fingers. Give wow. Him a taste it. And then mm. he'll probably eat it. Most of the time he'll eat it. Half the time he will not eat. He just mm. won't eat. Okay. He just lose everything. And is he um, is he skinny, normal weight? Is he a little no, pudgy? He, no, he goes to the vet. He's very well taken care of. He goes to the vet. Mm-hmm. He weighs 15 pounds, like he's supposed to, because he's a little guy. He's not a real big one. He's a okay. toy. And, he, I mean, he's really well, you know, we take care of him really, really, really good. He just doesn't like to eat. Okay. Well, there, with a, a pet that doesn't eat well, especially a small breed dog, there's some of this, which, you know, definitely we can have some true medical causes for why a dog doesn't want to eat or is very reluctant to eat. And then there's kind of the human created or the psychological factors that play a role. So my general guideline when I'm counseling a family about a dog that's not eating well, the first thing I look at is their body condition. Are we fat? <laughs> or are we pudgy? No. And if so, then my conversation first starts with um, a little bit of tough love, is that if we have a pet that's on the chubby side and we're concerned that they're not eating enough, then we just need to change what we're doing because we're probably overfeeding them and they're telling us, hey, I just don't need that much. Um, so that's one thing. Um, small dogs, especially Shih Tzus, there are some health things that I do like to look into because I do find that they can commonly cause them um, to not eat well. Um, my own Shih Tzu mix um, it was a, a really yeah. difficult eater through his first uh, probably year of his life. And we actually uh, discovered, um, and this is one thing I'm very passionate about with Shih Tzus, they often have um, kind of like a crooked bite where their teeth will actually, you know, they have an underbite. So their teeth may exactly. strike each other in mm-hmm. inappropriate ways, and that causes pain to the inner structure of the know. tooth. So even if the tooth looks healthy, if the bite is mm-hmm. off and those teeth are hitting in an incorrect way, way, it can cause pain. So for my dog, we ended up having to pull a bunch of teeth. Little little did you know, after we removed some of the teeth, we're crowding his mouth, causing these teeth to hit abnormally. He then started to be an awesome eater. And he's just, to this day, he's a phenomenal eater. But it was a really subtle thing that, I'll be honest, a lot of veterinarians, we don't always 
recognize this as a potential cause for a dog to not eat well. Um, So that would be something I would really ask your veterinarian to look at and see if we have any interference. And then if so, we do these selective extractions of teeth, just that free up the areas where the teeth will um, be more healthy. So that's one thing. Other things I look at would be liver problems like a shunt, digestive problems that can cause them to not eat. But, you know, I think that's right. where, you know, having a good consultation with your veterinarian and, and just just pursuing, is there anything medical that I need to be looking at to address before we tackle, uh-huh. you know, the diet? Right. Um, the, the next part of the thing that I mentioned is, you know, the psychological side of things. And uh, little dogs are well known for making our lives challenging. <laughs> and if they can make um, a process of feeding more emotional for us and in, where we invest more time and attention, it is something most dogs will enjoy. So if we sit there and hand feed them piece by piece, we're creating a lot of drama around field time, uh, uh, food time. So that's one thing that many people doctor up the food, add in things, and then they hover over their pet and say, oh, aren't you going to eat that? Oh, come yeah, on, baby. Yeah, that's yeah. So, so not saying that's your situation, but you know, this kind of thing, you know, it actually perpetuates this kind of behavior for a lot of dogs. So I'm a no drama mama. And when I put the food down, if they don't eat, I'm just like, okay, you got five minutes and I start to take it away. And I'll be honest, yeah. sometimes it does hurt when they don't want to eat and you think, oh gosh, something's wrong. And then usually it's a matter of just, you know, increasing their activity and my dogs will get back to eating and doing their normal things if they're off on their food. Uh, but I think you really have to look at that. So I'm not going to be one that tells you, oh, add gravy to the food or add this or that. To me, I'd say right. pursue the medical side of things and then really look at what you're feeding and what method you are. And it, it can take a little changes around the household. But if we set up mealtime and not make it some kind of entertainment process for the pet and actually, um, you know, make it something where your pet enjoys their food and, um, you know, we have a confident situation where they're actually, you know, enjoying their diet and, you know, uh, maybe eating at the same time when the family right. eats. It helps to kind of give that feeling of, you know, we're all a big pack and we're all eating together. You know, if you guys you know, really look at how the whole household is, is doing the, the feeding time, that's where we can really start to make some um, changes to the diet and, uh, you know, trying to stay where most of his food is, you know, at least a balanced diet. Because, um, oh, yeah. you know, sounds like ch- chicken breast is a great thing, but it's not a great sole diet. I hope that helps some, and if you have follow-up questions, please give me a call. I'll be happy to guide you through that a bit more. Thanks for your call, Daniela. It's so easy to reach out to us, toll-free, 1-866-405-8405. And this portion of Animal Radio is underwritten by Vetra Science. Summer's here. We're all excited, and we want to make sure your pet is excited, too. You know, it can be nerve-wracking for them, uh, thunderstorms, lightning, all kinds of noises. Talk about anxiety. No one likes to see their pet all stressed out. And that's exactly where Composure Supplement Chews from VetraScience comes in. And let's go to Sherry. Hey, Sherry, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. Got the whole team for you. What's going on? Oh, excellent. Well, I've been taking my Yorkie. She's eight years old. I've been taking her female. I've been taking her to the vet um, a couple of times, and they've run some blood tests, and everything comes back perfect. Having a real difficult time getting a urine specimen, but I did manage to get one today. But so far, all the tests have come back that if she's perfectly healthy. Um, but the problem is that she's starting to have really bad body odor. I'm having to bathe her way more frequently, even during the winter time. And um, she drinks water like there is just no tomorrow, and she really urinates a lot. 
And so they haven't actually gotten to look at a urine sample yet. Is that correct? No. As a matter of fact, I okay. did drop that off today. But as far as the blood tests are concerned, they were they were worried that she might have Cushing. She is a, mm-hmm. a little panicky. She will, um, we run a drill or the air compressor or something at the house. And if she manages to get out, she'll just run as fast as she possibly can. There's no direction, just Mm-hmm. out of fear. Can't put her yeah. in the car or anything. She has a real panic disorder. Okay. Alrighty. And is she on any regular medications? No. Okay. And then with her excessive drinking, is she peeing a lot? Is she having accidents yeah. in the house? She, well, we have potty pads in the house, so she's not having accidents, but she will soak one of those throughout the night uh, okay. if we don't take her out. Okay. And then is the urine do you, and the potty pad, do you see, is it uh, like a dark color or does it look kind of like clear, watery in nature? Oh, no, it's usually pretty yellow in color. All right. Well, I think that will be a very interesting thing is to see her urine sample. And and honestly, um, you know, a caught sample at home is fine as a starting point. But generally, when we're researching something like this, the veterinarian's going to need to get a sterile sample. And the reason is that there are contaminants just, you know, when a dog voids, um, there's bacteria that can actually contaminate that sample just from the vaginal area. So we really want a clean sample so we can rule out the potential for infection that might be occurring, um, as well as other types of cells that may be contaminated on a freely caught sample but will be a more um, easy to interpret on a sterilely caught sample. And that's something, you know, your veterinarian would have to do in the hospital setting. So just keep that in mind because some of the next steps that I usually have on my workup list after I say, okay, let's do blood work, we do a urine sample, I'm going to want to do a urine culture, and then we may do some kind of ratios on the urine, whether it's creatinine to protein, um, mm-hmm. but there's different things that we'll want to do depending on the, the the situation. So I think that will be important. And, you know, I don't have your pet's blood work in front of me, so I can't say, oh, yeah, that I agree that those kidneys look good. Because sometimes there's hints, you know, that, you know, we might say they're not completely abnormal, but they might be just maybe a hint of something that we want to look at. So um, I would say that, you know, there may be other steps that we need to do to look into this. And that might include things like taking x-rays or even ultrasounding. So, but a dog is... Anything to do with any of those? What is what? Would the body odor have anything to do with it? You know, it's not anything that specifically is jumping out. Um, I do find sometimes, you know, with Cushing's disease, we can tend to see some other types of skin problems going on as well. Um, mm-hmm. Other things like diabetes, we'll often see pets have infection as well. Um, right. But not anything that's really specific for that. Usually, if a dog that drinks a lot, pees a lot, we think kidneys, we think liver, we think yeah. diabetes, we think Cushing's disease. And then there's another disease, yeah. it's a diabetes insipidus which is a little bit different. And then there's kind of mm-hmm. less common things like, um, you know, brain-related diseases. Um, as far as a pet that has a bad digestive problem that drinks kind of psychogenically, so has more of like a excessive drinking because their belly's upset. So those get into some obscure things there. And as far as the skin, you know, um, you know, stinky skin, for me, my big things are I look for infection. So if there's anything greasy on the skin, then I take a sample of it and look at it under a microscope. And if we see yeast no, or bacteria, any sores or anything like that, she just she just seems to uh, need to be bathed more often. Mm-hmm. More and she's spayed, I take it. Yes, she is spayed. Okay, because that's the other big thing. Unspayed female dogs, we worry about numerous problems. Time. 
Okay. Well, yeah, I think that'll be the next step, and then we can kind of go from there and see what needs to be done. If you have any other um, follow-ups after you have that urine sample, then certainly we can mm-hmm. we can kind of address that further. Okay. I'll call back then. Thank you. Thanks for your call, Sherry. You can reach out to Dr. Debbie toll-free at 1-866-405-8405. This portion of Animal Radio is underwritten by VetraScience. Let this summer be stressless for your pets with the help of composure from VetraScience. From Glycoflex to multivitamins, your pets will thank you for VetraScience supplements. Thanks, VetraScience, for underwriting Animal Radio. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. Admit it. You love your dog, and he is part of the family. So when choosing your next vacation, don't forget Fido. With just a little planning, the entire family can enjoy a road trip. To find the best vacation spot for Spot, subscribe to Fido Friendly, the travel and lifestyle magazine for you and your dog, where each issue includes hotel and destination reviews, where both you and Fido are welcome. Go online to FidoFriendly.com and find out what all the barking's about. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. It's Animal Radio. If you're a cat owner, you may have experienced at least once or twice the cat going outside the box, either urinating or pooping outside the box. It can be a very traumatic experience for both you and the cat. And it can be a dome scratcher, you know, trying to figure out why did they do that? They've been using the litter and all of a sudden, they're not using the litter anymore. And, of course, it's something that uh, many landlords have to deal with. When a cat pees on the carpet, it goes into the wood below. And oftentimes, landlords have to actually rip out the wood. And that's why uh, us cat owners have a hard time finding a place to rent, unfortunately. So on the scene is Dusty Rainbolt. She's written a book called Cat Scene Investigator. Solve Your Cat's Litter Box Mystery. She'll be joining us in just a couple of minutes. You probably hear about that all the time, Dr. Debbie. Cats oh, can... yeah. I mean, it is. It, it takes sleuth work because there's so many variables, you know, whether it's psychological, medical, previous experience in the box that was bad. So, yeah. So I'm excited to hear okay, from Okay, Dr. That. Debbie, be honest. I mean, there are some weird places. I've had cats that go to the potty in, in, the, in the bathtub on occasion. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, yep. So the what's shower. the weirdest place that your, your clients have told you their, their cat oh, went? Well, I mean, the, the weird things are like on the stove and that people kind of allow that to keep happening, you know, like oh uh, on the on the stove, on the burner. Um, cats have had urinate there um, <laughs> oh in their, um, you know, in their suitcases. I got um, one. Judy's jumping I, up I, yeah, and down I now. Got this one, has got to be good. Yeah, one of my cats inappropriately eliminated on the kitchen counter. Oh my god! On top of a package of hamburger buns, huh? And she squatted uh. and smashed all the hamburger buns, and then squatted on the buns and peed. Oh, oh that's gosh. interesting. I thought you were going to say like there was a, a a cup up there, and that she kind of maneuvered <laughs> and stood right over <laughs> and squatted on top of the cup. Yeah, that she got. I had a cat who urinated in a boyfriend's slipper. Oh, yeah. You know what the message was there, yeah. I'm guessing. Mm-hmm. That was intentional. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the aim on that was perfect, too. Well, sometimes it's not always intentional. Sometimes it is behavior, and then sometimes it can be an illness. And Dusty Rainbolt, she'll be on to help you decipher what's going on in just a few minutes right here on Animal Radio. Uh, what do you got coming up, Lori? 
Well, there's, uh, you know, that story about they found a, out in the woods, they found a, a deer nibbling on a human, a dead human. <laughs> no, I, so I missed that story. So now everybody's talking about, oh, yeah, oh, my God, what would happen if I died and, you know, it's just me and my pet? Would my pet eat me? I know. And I think about, think about that, that? All, the, all the time. I think about the cat. You know, I'm a, I'm a lonely cat guy. I have a lot of cats, and I think that maybe if I expired, would the cats eat me, eat my face? Is what I worry well, I've about. Done some, I've done a lot of digging on this subject now because everybody's so curious about it. So is it cats or dogs that are more likely to do it? Um, what area of you are they going to eat first, <laughs> if at all? Um, so, Yum. Yeah, we'll give you the lowdown here. Oh, you got to stick around for that. And if you're not going to, frankly, there's nothing more that we can say to get you to stick around. <laughs> <laughs> no. Okay, that's on the way with Lori Brooks, our news director extraordinaire. Uh, we're going to hit the phones right now. Is that correct? Okay, toll-free, 1-866-405-8405. Hi, Mary. How are you doing? Hi, how are you? Very good. Where are you today? I'm in Brooklyn, New York. Brooklyn. Brooklyn. Woo. Yeah. <laughs> What's going on with your animals? In, in about three weeks, we're all going to pack in the car and head to Florida. Oh, you've got to love Oh, that. how fun. Yeah. <laughs> But so far, the short car rides, um, she's been getting sick and throwing up, and I don't know what to do about this because we have a long ride ahead of us. I assume you're talking about a dog, right? Oh, yeah. I'm <laughs> okay. Kelly. Okay. Um, I have an eight-month-old uh, Jack Russell Terrier, a little girl. Okay. And you said she gets sick if she's in the car? Yeah, she'll get in the car and she'll be she'll sit down and she looks very nervous, and then she'll pace around, and then she vomits. Car sickness, there's kind of two totally different syndromes in dogs, and there's sometimes an overlap of them. So there's really dogs that have true motion sickness, which is just, you know, that kind of inner ear disturbance where you feel like you're going to lose your lunch. And then there's the other component, which is really more an anxiety problem. And dogs that have that are the ones that seem to get really anxious. They tremble, they shake, they vocalize, they pace back and forth. So we have to kind of really look at this and kind of figure out, hmm, which situation are we dealing with here? Now, from what you're describing, you have a pet that has some anxiety just in the car. And some suggestions, anytime we have a car travel coming up, I like to condition towards that. Try to kind of uh, train the pet that the car is a good thing and that it's going to reward you in some way. You said you got your trip coming up in a couple of weeks, so we've got a little time to work on this. And basically what I would ask you to do is some homework where we're going to work on getting your dog comfortable with the car. And that may be something where you just start very simply and walk her over to the car, sit her down by it, and give her a treat. And we repeat that as long as she's not displaying anything anxious or nervous. We don't reward that because then we're actually giving a fuel to that fear. So if she looks anxious or nervous, we're just going to look the other way and we're going to turn her maybe with her leash and make her give her the command to sit and make sure that's a positive experience. We're going to work up eventually to feeding treats and rewards, really good ones, and putting them in the car. So, you know, you're sitting around the backyard. What are you doing? Hey, let's go to the car with the dog. (laughs) And we want you to repeat this over and over and over again and make sure that's a good experience. And then we're going to work up gradually to turn in that car key on um, and keep rewarding her. If she shows anxiety or fear, we're going to take it a step back. And really, for these next couple weeks, you can work on this and really make that car a good spot. Then... 
when we're talking traveling, some simple things that I think a lot of people don't do that we need to do for car travel is pets do best if they're restrained. We want to have her face and forward, preferably in a seatbelt or in a dog carrier. And then try not to feed her right before you do any of these car trip sessions. Those big, scary storms can be terrifying for your pet. And we know that when they're stressed, so are you. Take good care of your buddy with VetraScience Composure. VetraScience Composure helps ease anxiety for pets caused by storms, travel, and owner separation. It won't sedate them, and your pets will love the taste. Also, try our Glycoflex for hip and joint health, as well as multivitamins and probiotics. Find VetraScience supplements at your local pet store, Petco, or your vet. Learn more at VetraScience.com. This is an Animal Radio News Update brought to you by Fear Free. Fear Free takes the pet out of petrified and puts the treat into treatment. To learn more and find a certified Fear Free veterinary professional near you, visit FearFreePets.com. I'm Lori Brooks. Purina has just unveiled its Pets at Work report, their first ever, examining pet owners and their attitudes about having pets in the workplace. Kind of like, you know, they'd be interviewing or surveying us because we would think it's great. Well, here's what they found. 63% of employees in pet-friendly workplaces said they were very satisfied with their work environment, and that's nearly twice as many as those who are in workplaces where pets are not allowed. 65% of employees at pet-friendly workplaces say that it is important to them that a potential employer allow pets. I imagine once you've been in one of those situations to go back to a job where you couldn't have your pet there, that would be difficult. And 19% of cat owners in pet-friendly workplaces, and that was cat owners, bring their cat to work daily. 20% of dog owners take their dog to work every day. And as you might imagine, Purina is pretty vested in pets. So to help other employers who are considering starting their own Pets at Work program, Purina has created a digital toolkit that can help you get this set up in your office. They offer things like checklists and signs and authorization forms that you would need to have, and it's all available for free on their website, just in case you might be interested in turning your workplace into a pet-friendly office. Louie, a 132-year-old, 22-pound lobster has been returned to the sea. I hear cheers going, yay, <laughs> Louie. He was in, um, I mean, for 20 years, he had been living at Peter's Clam Bar in New York. That's right, you know, where you walk in and you see all the lobsters in the aquarium there and you get to pick the one you want. Well, earlier this month, a customer showed up at the bar near Long Island and wanted to order Louie for dinner. Uh, that's when the owner decided, nah, you know, it was time for the 132-year-old crustacean to finally get his pardon. The customer had even offered $1,000 for Louie, even though Louie was missing part of a claw. But I'm happy to say the bar owner could not make the deal. He said Louie had been there for 20 years. He was like a pet. He couldn't do it. Instead, Louie was then handed over to a group that took him by boat back out to the Atlantic to a place called Atlantic Beach Reef, where he was returned to the sea after spending 20 years inside that tank in the bar. Wow. Okay, finally, 
there have just been so many people having these conversations about what would happen to them if they died at home al- alone, you know, no, no other human there, alone with their pet. Would their pet dog or cat eat them? This has been a, a, a big water cooler conversation. So National Geographic decided they're going to dig through all of these case studies to find an answer, and they reviewed 20 cases of what is really called indoor scavenging. And they also reviewed a study that was done in 2015 that compiled 63 such indoor scavenging reports. So I've molded over, called it down. There is a, a basic scenario in these cases. Someone with a pet dies alone and unnoticed for a period of time. That's how it happens. And then by the time the body is discovered, there are parts missing and a pet is just sitting there when the, you know, first responders arrive and the pet kind of, you know, looks very normal. It's not unusual. They say most of the cases reviewed by the author were about indoor scavenging by dogs. And by a large margin, it was dogs, though there were some cases in which cats were implicated. Cats do have a reputation for eating their dead owners, after all, as the author had heard from EMTs that it's pretty common for them to arrive on the scene and see a cat there. There are even, by the way, a few reports of hamsters and birds chowing down on their deceased owners. But here... (laughs) is uh, some more scoop on will your pet eat you, okay? It depends, first of all, on how much flesh is exposed. If you're really worried about it, wear a turtleneck, gloves, (laughs) boots, and something over your face, like a ski mask, because typically the face is eaten first, starting with the more detachable parts of your face, like the nose and lips. 73% of the cases they say that they looked at reported face bites, and only 15% of those cases involved the abdomen. So obviously, the longer the pet goes without his regular meals, the more it eats of your body or the body. They tend to go for the neck, the face, and any exposed areas first, and then, if not discovered in time, they may proceed to eat the rest of you. Mm. Now yes. you know. Lovely. <laughs> I know you worried about that, Dr. Debbie, for quite a while. Yes. No, this is actually a conversation I've had on several occasions. Of, I've always wondered. <laughs> you know, it never even occurred to me. Really? Ever. Really? Before this. Never. Oh, never, I never, ever. thought about it either. I thought about it. I thought about the cats, you know, being the crazy cat guy that I am, that I die alone and that uh, the cats would eat me. I never thought about dogs. But uh, Wait, there, there is a little bit more here I can okay. give you. That study they did in 2015, it was a huge study. They found that in 24% of the cases they examined, dogs had begun eating their masters in less than 24 hours. Really? So they weren't Whoa. really starving. Jeez. Yeah, and, and some, That's some of them even chose to do this in spite of having... Their normal dog food sitting there when the emergency responders <laughs> arrived. Oh. And by the way, uh, researchers also, I wanted to let you know, have found no connection between an animal's uh, reported love or closeness to its owner and its likelihood of consuming the dead owner's body. It turns out that instinct, or bottom line they say, instinct or hunger will trump love. There you go. Ah, I don't think you'll learn that anywhere else. 
<laughs> now you know. I'm Lori Brooks. Get more breaking animal news anytime at AnimalRadio.com. The more you know. This has been an Animal Radio News Update brought to you by Fear Free. The veterinarian isn't typically thought of as your pet's favorite place to go. With Fear Free, that all changes. To learn more and find a certified Fear Free veterinary professional near you, visit FearFreePets.com. About Fear Free people. (laughs) I don't like the way Ladybug's looking at me now. Hi friends, this is Dr. Marty Becker, America's veterinarian. After a traumatic experience at the veterinary office, have you ever thought to yourself, there has to be a better way? When your veterinarian is Fear Free certified, you'll find your pet's vet visit is safer, more comfortable, and actually enjoyable. Your dog will go from shaking in the lobby to pulling you into the exam room with a wagon tail, and your cat will be purring inside the carrier. To find a certified Fear Free veterinarian near you, go to fearfreepets.com. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. The number's here, toll-free at 1-866-405-8405. And of those very numbers, not a week goes by that we don't hear a call about inappropriate urination for cats and dogs, but mostly cats. Always a problem for one reason or another. And, you know, kind of decoding what the problem is, you sort of need, uh, like, a PowerPoint presentation and uh, several <laughs> years of college and, uh, yeah. an astrologist and... Uh, Hazmat... <laughs> outfit. <laughs> and I think that's a great point, Hal, is that a lot of people think, you know, there's going to be a, just one single answer that's going to fix it. And it's so dependent on the situation. So that's a very good, uh, good point there. And that's why I'm so happy to welcome back Dusty Rainbolt to our airwaves. She has a brand new book called Cat Scene Investigator, Solve Your Cat's Litter Box Mystery. I got to tell you, it's a book that's a long time coming, should have been out years ago. But Dusty, thank you for making it come out now. Well, thank you. You know, my I've been in rescue for 35 years, and I have taken in so many cats that were wonderful cats, and the people just got tired of dealing with it. And I thought, I've just got to do this. So you're saying that a lot of cats were turned back to the shelters because they peed outside the box? Oh, absolutely. It is the number one, pardon the pun, but Uh but it's true, the number one cause, uh, behavioral cause for people surrendering their cats. Yeah. So if somebody listening right now has this problem where the, the cat is peeing outside the box, what are some of the basic things we should look for? Well, okay, let me preface that by saying if your cat is going outside the box, the first thing you need to do is not change the situation but take kitty to the vet because Mm -hmm. so many times, more often than you would ever believe, uh, it's actually because the cat is is sick. Oh, really? So it may not be a behavior thing. It may be like uh, some kind of infection they have. Well, yes, and and uh, oh, let me tell you, urinary tract infections are so 1990. <laughs> <laughs> the, the truth is there's brand-new research, and uh, the, the research shows that stress can cause something called interstitial cystitis. It's an inflammation of the bladder. There's blood, there's pain, there's all, all these, there are all these things going on, and uh it's actually an illness, but because it waxes and wanes, it comes and goes, 
people, the, the vets thought for a long time that, oh, all you need is antibiotics. And it's not the antibiotics that's curing it. It comes and goes. And the exciting thing is this is treated by environmental enrichment. Play with your cat. Give your cat something to do. Give him food puzzles. And that relieves the stress. And that's how you treat it, with environmental enrichment and uh, pain management. Check out the Groupon app where you can save up to infinity, theoretically speaking. Actually, you can save up to $100 a week on what you do every day. Suppose you saved $10 on tacos and took that $10 and used it to get more great restaurant deals on Groupon, like Italian or Chinese. Pretty soon, you could save a ton. Brunch? Check Groupon. Dinner plans? Check Groupon. Hungry? Use the top-rated Groupon app to save up to $100 a week on what you do every day. Download the app and save. Groupon. Do you have knee or back pain? If you have Medicare or private insurance, we have great news. You may qualify right now to get a pain-relieving knee or back brace at little or no cost to you. I've used them. They work. Call the Pain Relief Hotline right now for free information. 800-419-1964 800-419-1964 That's 800-419-1964 It's Animal Radio. We are with Dusty Rainbolt and we are decoding those litter box mysteries. Okay, let's get back to it. What do we do if our cat's peeing outside the box, Dusty? So anyway, back to my point. Take the cat to the vet. Uh, after you get a clean bill of health, the three or four top things would be use an unscented litter, provide a, a large open box because cats are often afraid of covered litter boxes. They're afraid they're going to get trapped. Make sure it's a nice, quiet area, and they have multiple escape routes. And if you have uh, a multi-cat household, then make sure there are litter boxes throughout in different places in the house so if you have a cat that's guarding resources and preventing other cats from getting to them they can't guard them all if they're in different places well now what's the rule about how many litter boxes to have the real rule of thumb is you should have one litter box for every cat plus one and that means in different places you can if you have three cats you can't have four all together because that way the the bully can guard all of them at one time. Okay, I have a mystery for you, and I kind of feel ashamed that... Uh, and I, Do I have to call in on the regular phone lines to get my policy off? No, I, I can just go ahead and ask, right? Yeah, go ahead. Right. Okay. It's so, your show. You can do what you want. So I have Nike, the studio cat, and uh, he uh, uses the litters, but when he's in the litters... He's, it's like he's marking. His tail is wagging up straight in the air. He's and He's not sh- squatting. He's not squatting. He shoots over the edge of the litter. And let me tell you, the litter's already, uh, extended are, they're, they're pretty tall. They're mm-hmm. over, over, I'd say a foot and a half tall. Yeah, we've mm-hmm. extended them. It's like he's aiming over. It's like a game for him. And to- how old is he? He is 13. Okay. Well, remember what I said about take Kitty to the vet? Ah. If he is 13 years old, he may have some arthritis issues that don't permit him to squat. In cats, a change of behavior often means there's an issue. If the cat suddenly is not sleeping on the bed or not jumping into the litter box or not squatting, 
that could be a sign that there is uh, arthritis. And 90% of cats over uh, 10 years old have arthritis. So uh, I, uh, there was a lady that I spoke to, and she, she said, tell me why my cat is suddenly too good to squat in a litter box. <laughs> well, this was a new behavior. Um, and I, you know, asked her the same question. The kitty was 12. And I suggested that she take the cat to the vet, possibly because of arthritis. Oh, no, he can jump up on the counter fine. He's just too good to jump on the, I mean, too good to to squat. squat. And uh, I'd say she was probably in her 50s, early 60s. And I said, I tell you what, it takes one second to jump on the counter. It takes 30 to 60 seconds to squat to pee or poop for a cat. So I said, why don't you just squat? for a minute and see how that feels. (laughs) So in in cases like that, I would buy um, a storage container, you know, one of the big 50-gallon storage containers, Uh 45 or whatever, cut a deep hole in the front, and uh, uh, that way he can step in easily and he uh, isn't going to spray over the edge. Oh, that's a great idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had a problem one time with one of my cats. She wouldn't use a litter box. She would go on the carpet, and mm-hmm. I put a pee pad in the litter box, and she loved it. Oh. Mm-hmm. And she started using the litter box which, with the pee pad. Which brings me to another thing. Uh, mm-hmm. Do declawed cats have more problems with litter? Okay, from the research I've done, I've done a little extrapolating, and honestly, I used to be on the fence about declawing cats. I didn't do it, but, you know, I, I wasn't one way or the other. Now I, I think that it really does affect them. You can ask almost any rescue group or animal shelter, and they will tell you a large percentage of the cats who come in for inappropriate elimination issues are declawed cats. Mm. And what often happens is, the you know, the vets want to, well, first of all, it's a very painful procedure. And it's, a, it's an amputation. It's not a, a nail trim. Also, seven, uh, research has shown that 75% of human amputees suffer uh, phantom pains. So if you have 10 amputations, then you're bound to be feeling some pain. And what happens is the, the vet sends the, the people home with those paper pellet litters so that the uh, toes don't get infected. And can you imagine having 10 toe amputations Oof. and then with this new wound walking on gravel? Yeah. Wouldn't be, wouldn't be fun. So it's, the, the cats become very fearful of the, the box. That's mm. what I'm extrapolating. because uh, and, and also, you know, it, it could be painful uh, later on due to the phantom pain. Sure. So yes, I think I think that there is uh, a relationship between the clawed cats and uh, inappropriate elimination, sure. and I think most rescuers would agree with me. All of these things are covered in Cat Scene Investigator Dusty Rainbolt's new book, Solve Your Cat's Litter Box Mystery. I have 10 copies to give away right now. you got to call in and tell me, though, that you're having problems. Okay, I just don't want to uh, give I'm you I'm having problems, Al. I want one. <laughs> <laughs> 1-866-405-8405 to pick up on the book. If you don't get through, you can order it through Amazon. Is that correct? That's correct. Uh, it's available both on Kindle and uh, paperback. 
thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much. Take thank care. You. Well, it has just flown by today, and I just figured out that uh, the reason my cat's peeing outside the litter box is I, I named her wrong, apparently. So and that's it. Huh? Yeah, that's, that's what's okay. happening. Mystery solved. Took me two hours to figure that out here right here on Animal <laughs> Radio. Hopefully the show was enlightening to you as it was to me. Remember everything that you've heard on today's show over at AnimalRadio.pet. And we will see you next week right here on Animal Radio. Bye-bye. Bye. <laughs> this is Animal Radio Network. Network.